Hey there, this is The New Deal, a podcast dedicated to sharing filmmakers' experiences, particularly alumni from the FSU College of Motion Picture Arts. I'm Nikki Lee. And I'm Rin Ostman. For our second episode, we wanted to interview two fantastic female forces who worked in post-production on Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp. This film achieved a 33% increase in earnings from the first installment and is rated an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. First up, we have Valerie Wicks, an FSU BFA graduate who started out in LA but then moved to Atlanta two years ago where she writes children fantasy novels while freelancing. Hi, Valerie. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really glad to have you. Hello, hello. I'm happy to be here. Nikki's going to start you off with our first question that we ask every single person we have on this podcast. It's kind of one of our favorites. Yeah, and that is, uh, what is the first short film that you ever made? Ooh, the first real short film I ever made was I had an audio video course in high school. <laughs> so I was AV club kind of girl. And we did a, a segment about our most influential teacher. It was a documentary about my drama teacher. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's so sweet. Precious. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess I guess when I was a kid, I did make little things here and there, but I don't have any of them. Oh, no. Yeah, no, they're all gone. <laughs> I guess they're they're like preserved in beautiful memory, though, that way you don't have to like look at them and cringe. You just get to remember them fondly. Yeah. So you went to film school at Florida State and then looking forward into your future, what were you thinking? Where were you planning to go? I honestly at first wanted to go to New York, but that was kind of before I learned more about film because, you know, I didn't know at the time that New York was more TV and LA was more film. And so I, I wanted I wanted to go to New York. When I graduated though, most of my friends were going to LA and I was more interested in the film side at the time. So plans change. I ended up in LA. For sure. When you graduated, what were you planning to kind of do with your life? Did you have a set plan or were you kind of like, I'll show up in LA and just kind of see what comes to me? I had an internship. So <laughs> I graduated in 2008, uh, which is forever ago, but it was also... <laughs> It was also during the Obama campaign. We were doing some campaigning and met a Florida State alum uh, who had come back to Florida because he would have, he could partake in the swing vote. Uh, he was in the industry, had been working there for a long time and, and he worked at Anonymous Content. And so he gave me an internship. So I got to go out to LA knowing what I was gonna do. <laughs> that's a nice feeling sometimes. Yeah. I feel like that's a rarity, so. <laughs> We're happy to hear it. Of course, it's an unpaid internship, so <laughs> it wasn't a long-lived thing, but it definitely got me started and kind of gave me a feel for the industry part of film, and so it was a good experience. That's awesome. You just got off of working on Ant-Man, which has been out and doing great in theaters, so congrats. Yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can you talk to us about your journey into becoming a associate VFX coordinator for that? Yeah, uh, things always start in a way you don't expect. I actually worked on Black Panther, and that was as a PA, a VFX PA. And a very dear friend of mine and also FSU alumni was working on Black Panther and VFX, and she actually asked me to come on to the film uh, without me soliciting them or anything so uh, it's it was knowing great people and there was an opening uh in the right place at the right time in atlanta where i happened to be i'd never done vfx before but i thought it was an op 
opportunity to to get to know a new part of the industry. So I was really excited about doing it. What had led you to VFX? Because you had initially come out and done things with costuming and even video games. So how did you transition into that role? It was kind of just a, a really organic path. <laughs> when I started in the industry, when I first went out to LA after film school, I did anonymous content for, I guess, about six months. And then uh, I went into costuming. I did a bunch of small films and they were really amazing and uh, a really different beast <laughs> than working in TV or in Hollywood. But it was kind of like, uh, they definitely got me ready. And I was about to do my first uh, big job in TV on the show Justified. And I just realized that costuming wasn't necessarily the route I wanted to take. I really enjoyed it, but what I really wanted to do was write. So I took a step back, went into video games, which was more of a desk job and was going to give me more time to work on my writing. And video games was amazing. I had always loved Square Enix, which did the Final Fantasy games. So I worked with them for a while and then I moved to a company called Legacy Interactive. I was a tester at Square Enix and moved on to being an associate producer. Then I went on to do some producing. So it was a great experience in video games. But again, the writing was calling me. So I stepped away from that to write my first book. Amazing. That's so incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy experience and I loved it. And I've been writing them ever since. And now I'm working on my fourth one while I uh, work in VFX. Oh, what a crazy balance to have yeah. going on at the same time because it is <laughs> not easy. It is not easy, you know, but you learn a lot each one. Each one is so much better than the last. I just hope to keep growing with it as well as with VFX. Of course. Are these books that people can uh, read and access if they want to? <laughs> Two of them are self-published. <laughs> the series is called Seven Spectral. It's a, about seven worlds. They're each a different color of the rainbow and there's a portal that connects them. And so there's seven heroes, seven worlds, and then seven creators of these worlds that are the antagonists. Oh, oh my, God. my goodness. It's like, we must I'm looking at Jacobstein. We're just, we're just excuse us while we stop the podcast and go read these books. Yeah, <laughs> this is that genius. sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> They're just fun adventures, middle grade fantasy adventure. Oh, I gosh, love that. Love oh, middle grade fantasy, yes. love it. Um, okay, so let me ask you this before we move on: Have you found that your experiences with VFX and video games have at all fed into your writing and or vice versa? Because I know writing novels is very different from probably producing video games and doing VFX on a major Marvel movie. Do you find that anything starts to kind of cross over? Oh, definitely. It's all storytelling. Everything I've ever done is storytelling in some form. Even the VFX, you know, a lot of people think it's just visuals, but the effects are used to tell the story. For example, if you go see Ant-Man and the Wasp, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no spoilers, but there is an effect on the villain that really helps to tell the story, I think, to augment the villain's actions. So you should go check it out. But everything has been storytelling. And that's really what I want to do. Especially in something that's fantastically oriented, which it seems like that's kind of what you're drawn towards. Yeah. How do you share that like beautiful depth of world without effects? It just makes sense. 
Um, so you mentioned you kind of fell into the Marvel Universe by PAing on Black Panther. How did that transition into becoming an associate VFX coordinator on Ant-Man and the Wasp? You know, uh, there aren't a lot of assistant VFX coordinators. It's kind of a, a strange in-between position. A lot of people working in VFX haven't even heard of it. Um, you hear of PA and then you hear of coordinator. So when I was working on Black Panther, they kind of noticed that I was going a bit above and beyond what a PA may do. And they were just the sweetest team. So they they wanted to give me like a title that would reflect that um, and that I could also carry into the transition of, of working on becoming a coordinator. So, you know, I was just lucky. I just had the sweetest team on Black Panther and then the sweetest team on Ant-Man and the Wasp. You know, everything's about connections. I got the Ant-Man and the Wasp job because of a wonderful onset production manager that worked on Black Panther. It's all who you meet and, and they kind of, hopefully, if you get along, <laughs> they take you on to the next projects. And yeah, I had this uh, another completely sweet team on Ant-Man and the Wasp and they kept that title as assistant VFX coordinator. What does um, the role of associate VFX coordinator entail? It's kind of a jack of all trades. You definitely end up doing some PA type stuff. Like, uh, for example, on my last project, I set up the office because I'm already in Atlanta and I do films that are produced in Atlanta. So since I was the first one here, they had me set up the office and stuff like that and kind of get the accounting work started and that kind of stuff. And then once the PA came in, you know, she kind of took that over and I moved on to working with our vendors. So a lot of times you're working with vendors even before you know which ones are going to be the final vendors to work on the film. You're getting test effects done that you can present to the director and you guys can kind of together, the VFX department, the supervisor and producer and the director can start to work on some signature looks in the film. So that all starts super early in pre-production. And so I help the communication between our department and those vendors. There's lots of other stuff. Setting up databases, running databases, the file structure for, you know, how when all the data is coming in from on set, um, how is it going to be organized? Getting those files back and forth to vendors, setting up meetings. There's a lot of scheduling meetings, <laughs> uh, not only with the vendors, but also between departments, especially in pre-production. Art department, camera department, everyone needs to speak to the supervisor and the producer. And when you say vendor, you're, just to clarify, you're talking about like VFX post-production houses? That would be... Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how do they go about selecting that? Is that, what's that process like? There's a bidding process. So the supervisor will usually lay out a, a few vendors that he or she definitely wants to work with. 
uh, and then we'll start reaching out, you know, who has done similar visuals to the ones needed in the film. And the producer really is the one handling the bidding process because that's big, big money. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty complicated. <laughs> so uh, someone like me would mostly be scheduling meetings uh, between our VFX producer and the vendors to kind of have a little bit of a back and forth with the bidding process. The producer would definitely be handling um, all of the bidding process. And occasionally, um, occasionally someone like me might help break down the script. So uh, in order for each vendor to know what they're bidding for, <laughs> you have to break down the script uh, anything that could be a possible VFX element. You note it, um, you know what would go into it, the producer assigns a cost to it, and then the producer takes chunks of the script and will decide which vendors should bid what chunk. Usually uh, they're not bidding the whole script. So when you're breaking down the script for VFX, is it something kind of like what we were taught at FSU where it's like very identifiable things? Or do you also look at things that maybe to the eye of most people wouldn't look like a VFX um, element, but you know that probably in a Marvel type film, they'll end up using VFX? Uh, you definitely have to anticipate what could be VFX, including, you know, background replacements. So it's a lot of like, for instance, on Ant-Man and the Wasp, some of it was shot in San Francisco some of it was shot in Atlanta. So you have to know, okay, well, we're going to be shooting this part in Atlanta, but the city that it's supposed to look like is San Francisco. So you know that there's going to be background replacements probably here. But of course, in pre-production, it's an ever-changing process. So it's a lot of very educated guesses at first, and then it becomes more and more solid. You definitely have to break down several versions of the script usually as we get new pages, changes here and there. What was your rough time frame for Ant-Man and the Wasp? Uh, you know, I don't really know. <laughs> I, I would guess a few months, but, but the other thing is, uh, while I'm doing the parts of my job, you know, the producer and production manager are doing their job. So I don't necessarily know when each part is initiated, you know. So they, they would normally start much earlier than they would bring the rest of the team in to it. Sure. Wow. Um, I want to go back a little bit to when we were talking about vendors, because this is something that is so interesting. I notice it all the time at the end of credits, and I'm always like wondering how this happens because you mentioned that some like larger uh, houses will kind of bid for the entire script why doesn't marvel because it seems like marvel is so established like they would have their go-to team why does this bidding process happen and why do they choose several different houses versus just kind of going with one large house? Well, each vendor is a company in and of itself. So they have taken on projects from other studios. They have their own roster. So they usually can't handle a whole film, especially a Marvel film is very VFX heavy because they're working on other things. And so also the, the costs are different <laughs> for each vendor. So you have the more expensive vendors doing your really big scenes, and then you might have a better deal uh, for the smaller scenes. 
and and the deal you get is different for each movie it's a very fluid process so they're trying to to really honor the budget as best they can and sometimes that'll take multiple vendors interesting and how does that budget process kind of work coming into something like this where the vfx are so grandiose how do they go about sort of figuring out ways to kind of puzzle piece that all together that is producer magic uh (laughs) (laughs) love producers (laughs) yeah uh, I am not a producer, so I, <laughs> I could not, <laughs> I could not, um, do justice to explaining that process. <laughs> Sounds like a very unique dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on a big studio movie like this, it's a lot of times hard for a layman like me and Nikki to wrap our heads around kind of how the whole process happens. You mentioned that you're kind of in the flow of it from the beginning, from pre-production. Mm-hmm. What does it look like for you from pre-production through post-production, your kind of like workflow? How large is your team? The team size definitely is ever-changing. Um, in pre-production, you know, it's it starts out and it's just the supervisor and, and the producer, which are department heads. And uh, then they'll bring on a project manager. And then they'll bring on probably a PA and some coordinators. And then that's pre-production. And then they'll start to hire the onset team. So the team is starting to grow at that point. Also, uh, second unit is starting to come on, which sometimes is big enough to be kind of a duplicate of of the team I just mentioned. So it grows and shrinks the whole time. You know, they'll usually hire several more onset people to go on location. And then they might drop back some, you know, if if we're not shooting in, in multiple cities at once. On set, there's usually a, a liaison type person who is kind of like an onset production manager type uh, person who will coordinate when we're grabbing the actors to scan them, uh, when we'll have the set clear so we can scan it uh there's a there's definitely a lot of juggling to grab the extras before they leave to grab the main cast members when they have a chance for scanning to grab props to scan them so there's a lot of that and then there's usually an onset lead who is basically a super data wrangler, king of the data wranglers. <laughs> and then there are data wranglers that work with him to, to do those things I said, like to scan props, scan the set. Um, they manage if there are dots that we have to apply to the actors, tracking markers that you apply to the backgrounds, um, witness camera which is basically recording the same thing that the main camera is recording, but from different angles so that our vendors will have full coverage of the scene. And then there's also usually a hired scanning team uh, that does specialty scanning that can happen while set is going because our onset team is, you know, doing Witcam and stuff like that. And that is the onset team. There's usually a onset PA and then the office PA may go back and forth between set and the office. So yeah. Wow. So on set, you're gathering all of this data and you're getting things like plates and all of these different elements that you need in order to make these VFX come together in post. Right. So how do you guys go about 
sort of wrangling all of this data and organizing it, what is that workflow like? Uh, so you you get all the files. The, the onset team gets all the files onto hard drives and they uh, either we send somebody from the office or they send somebody up to the office uh, so that we can grab those files and uh, put them on our server. We do that because it's just the easiest way to handle giant amounts of files. <laughs> uh, and then on on the office end, we would make sure that usually the onset team has done a really good job of labeling everything. And sometimes we even have software that'll organize it for us. Uh, if not, then the office team will check the labeling, check the organization. I'm just trying to like wrap my head around the computing power and like it stresses the, me out. It's a lot. It's amazing. Like, disk space that you need in order to be able to just like gather all this information, and I honestly just can't. Oh, definitely. <laughs> what happens if you lose a file? <laughs> Usually, the files are in at least two places, so on our servers, and then they stay on the hard drives as long as possible. They're big hard drives, like terabytes. So, you know, we try to keep them in two places. Once they're on the server, the servers are linked back to the studios in LA. So uh, the IT team there is, has usually got a copy. So usually, <laughs> uh, as long as it's not lost before we can get it on the server, we're going to be okay. For something this big, do you guys kind of start working on BFX shots like right as you get them, or do you wait till a certain point in the process? There's usually a, a schedule that the producer lays out, uh, and yeah, they have to go ahead and start even while we're still filming, while we're still in production, because there's just, especially for Marvel, they have a very short post time period, so they've just got to keep the flow going. And, you know, it is an ever-changing process, but they just go ahead and, and, and start <laughs> as soon as possible, yeah. That's bold, but yeah. it makes sense because they're doing so many shots in such a short amount of time. Also, is there ever a situation where they're able to get the VFX and start working on them and realize maybe it's not working or decide they want to do a reshoot of something if they're not happy with maybe what the shot is doing? Well, there's there's always reshoots, especially these <laughs> days, you know. I don't I can't think of a single film that, you know, isn't doing reshoots. And is that how does it just work for VFX? Is it the same process? Uh yeah. When when they do reshoots, they bring on a smaller version of every department. So it's it's just like going back to production for a couple weeks. Yeah. So with superhero movies like this, where its success really hinges on the triumph of its VFX, what is sort of the line of communication that is involved with your department and then the other departments of the film in order to ensure the integrity of the shots? Yes, there's definitely a lot of meetings, interdepartment meetings, uh, especially in pre-production. It's so collaborative. Um, VFX is actually more involved than you might think in the pre-production because there are a lot of concepts that uh, are going to be VFX concepts in the end, but every department has to be on board and understand what, what the VFX shot is going to be in the end because uh, you might have a, a prop that interacts with it. You might have a costume, especially for superhero suits <laughs> that interact with VFX. Um, for even, uh, you know, building the set for Black Panther, you're going to have a rhino running through it, you know, <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, it's it's very collaborative. There are lots of meetings, interdepartment meetings. Communicate, over communicate, communicate again. <laughs> okay, so you're on sort of the production side of VFX, and then you have the post production side. What does that delivery look like in terms of getting those materials to the VFX houses? Yes. So uh, as filming is is ending, there's just a, a big uh, delivery process. By then, each vendor knows what sections of the film they're doing. And then you have to deliver those shots to those vendors. So it just takes a lot of computer power (laughs) and time. It's getting faster and faster, though, um, as technology changes, even in the short time that I've been doing it. But yeah, it's just a dump. How many vendors did this film have? And it, it, the other thing is it changes in post. Mm. So uh, they may have, what, five main vendors, but then in post they'll bring on a secondary group of vendors as, you know, maybe one vendor has a changing workload and we need to bring on more. It's just, it's a really fluid process. Usually I've not done post myself yet. Hopefully I will on the next project, but I've been told it'll usually double the number of vendors. Mm-hmm. And once they're done at the post houses, how do they deliver back to you guys to make sure that it all gets kind of put together back into one solid film? So the whole time, uh, another important part of the VFX team is the VFX editors. So they kind of live in the editorial department, but they are kind of the liaison between VFX and editorial. So as we get shots, so we're in production, we get a shot, we as soon as possible send that to the VFX editor and they will drop in a real rough version of the effect and kind of splice it in so that it is viewable for the editorial department. And then editorial department will just do cuts, working with the director along the way. Wow. That's awesome. So many little pieces (laughs) that come together. I know very little about the VFX process as a whole. Nikki did some VFX in her thesis film, so I got to watch a little bit of that process with her. But talking to you is like opening my world, and I'm so excited to learn more (laughs) about VFX. And every department is like this. They have so many jobs that you don't even know you can do until you're around it more, you know? Yeah, it's exciting. It means that hopefully as students like kind of come out of school, they'll they'll come out here and or to Atlanta or New York or wherever and they'll start to like be like oh I didn't really feel like I clicked in any of these five that were listed as the jobs you could do in school but there's a place for me still right yeah I also just think that like VFX like because if it's done right you don't notice it almost I mean granted I realize like unless your characters are changing sizes (laughs) (laughs) right right but if but yeah a more subtle film it's easy to kind of forget just how (laughs) much VFX can be involved in a single film (laughs) that's true you know I had a supervisor once that told me that was his favorite way to do it he liked doing the movies that you if if you did it really well you wouldn't notice the VFX it's an art form in and of itself. For sure. So Ant-Man's kind of a unique movie compared to the other Marvel movies in that uh, the characters are able to change size 
at the drop of a hat um, from huge as tall as skyscraper to the size of an ant. So how did those elements of size variations, since they were constantly changing, how did that affect your responsibilities as a VFX coordinator that made it unique to this experience on its own? Yeah, definitely. It's a movie that, you know, didn't have like a whole bunch, you know, there weren't witches, you know, doing spells and stuff like that. So at first glance, you look at it and you think, oh, it's not going to be crazy VFX. And then it ends up being the most because of the (laughs) shrinking and growing, you know, Uh, that creates a whole new world, almost literally, because you have a macro element. So every time Ant-Man or the Wasp shrinks you have to create an environment that is enlarged around them. Uh, So it's actually a ton of work. In Ant-Man 1, they had a large macro department. They created a lot more miniatures. And they the, the process was a little bit different for creating those giant environments. In this one, the macro department was a bit smaller, but we definitely still had one. It was really cool to see them shooting in the miniatures and everything. <laughs> no, it's just, I mean, it was just incredible watching, you know, behind the scenes and stuff where it seems like there's just so many elements that you need for a single shot where it has like uh, Paul Rudd and he's just handing the wasp a backpack and he's small and she's normal sized, but in order to get that, they had to have the same backpack and the backpack's smaller while he's handing it to her and then it's normal size when she grabs it and they all have to form together but the camera's also moving so they have to like get the virtual version of the camera as it's moving and read that 3D so it all looks the same even though it's like five different shots in one and that in your position seems like (laughs) let's just take what would normally be maybe one or two shots and then add like 10 more elements to it (laughs) that you have to organize which I can only imagine (laughs) is crazy well what you're talking about actually did have a a motion control uh, shoot a special shoot uh, because they had to have the same camera movement for when Ant-Man was small and they had to match that for when the wasp was large in the same scene. So actually we had a super genius guy come in. He's like king of motion control. And they had a few days where they had to work specifically on that scene and and similar shots. Wow. And what could it take as far as production-wise to get a shot like that? I'm sure it's multiple days at least. So they they do all the math for it uh, and then they'll shoot the normal size stuff on location using that math that they input into the camera for the movement of the shots. And then we would build uh, a special set on the stages uh, for the miniature version. And that they shot for three or four days uh, on the specialized set that they built on stage with the same math in the camera to match the movement. I'm just laughing inside because at one point I remember looking at my mother and telling her, I don't need math, I'm going to be a filmmaker. And that's been (laughs) the most... Large, grandiose <laughs> lie that I've ever told. <laughs> I really hope your mom's listening to this. She will be cracking sure. up in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, actually, you might need it more than you thought because a lot of so a lot of people who want to be director types, especially, might say that. 
But of course, you know, the director has to understand all components of the film. Sure. And uh, since VFX plays this kind of major role in the storytelling, a lot of times uh, VFX supervisors will later become directors or will even direct second unit for a few days. That's actually pretty common. So, hey, if you know the math really well, you become a VFX supervisor, maybe you can become a director. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense because they have to understand everything backwards and forwards and able yeah. to put it together. And so what is that process like? Because you're talking about a director and I'm very interested in knowing what is that communication process like with the director in terms of figuring out the shots? Do they sort of hand you what they're visioning for the shot or is that the dp what's that process like uh the director the vfx supervisor the dp they all and also also um the previs department they'll do a, a version of certain really vfx heavy usually action heavy sequences before they start shooting the film and that's a lot of that is blocking so head of previs will definitely be talking to the director a lot also but yeah it's just a lot of meetings in pre-production and on set the vfx supervisor is usually right near the director a lot of times that's awesome I wanted to ask you, because we are talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, how was your experience different on this movie than it was on Black Panther? Because Black Panther was also probably just as VFX heavy. Yeah, it was It was definitely a VFX heavy show. Mm-hmm. So did you, did you find that there were a lot of differences in your experience in terms of the workflow? And then also just that style of movie is so different from Ant-Man. Was that just a different kind of ethos entirely? Well, you know, workflow is really team to team uh, but but g- generally it's pretty much the same it's just a lot of fast paced meeting scheduling <laughs> and a lot of changes you know you could schedule a meeting yesterday and it'll change in the morning and then it'll change right before the actual meeting cuz everyone's got a lot of uh clashing schedules <laughs> so it's really just they communicate 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 until it all starts to come together <laughs> and then was the the feeling of the team and kind of just the the fun of i guess being on set the same or did it feel different was there Um, Any differences between? Coming back for a sequel is a little different than doing the first movie in a franchise. So definitely uh, on Black Panther, everybody was super excited about this fresh new concept. And then on Ant-Man and the Wasp, everyone had a feel of, oh, we've we've done this. We kind of know what we're doing. So there were exciting things about both shows for sure. Sure, sure. So just kind of going back to your overall position, what are sort of the skills and personality traits that someone needs for this kind of work? You need to be very flexible. (laughs) For a coordinator, for a coordinator, you need to be very flexible. You need to be extremely communicative. Your job is to make sure that everybody involved knows exactly what's going on as it rapidly changes. (laughs) If there's information missing on one side or the other it's your fault so uh yeah it's it's all about communication you have to read every single email even if it has nothing to do with you even if the it's way over your head with the technical (laughs) aspect uh you still have to read it and 
figure out what's going on so that you can be the communicator later. So that's, that's really the main thing. You have to work in a very fast-paced environment, even the desk jobs. And in my experience, if people like working with you, like if you're friendly, <laughs> then you'll go far. <laughs> Fair enough. I feel like VFX and post-production in general, you're around each other a lot. Yeah. So if they don't like you, it's not a fun time. Yeah, it's, you're usually doing minimum 12-hour days. Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. That makes sense. What are the different tools and softwares that you use for your job on a daily basis? Do you get into anything pretty technical or do you kind of stick with mostly um, organizational software? It's mostly organizational software, like FileMaker. That's really the main one. Each team has a different software that they might bring into it. So there's usually some sort of calendar software that connects to everybody's phones and all that stuff. There's uh, usually some sort of chat software, and you have to get approved by the, the studio <laughs> before you're bringing in any software, because you don't want any of any anything to get out <laughs> before the movie is out. Right. Uh, Marvel is also Fort Knox. Y- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have an amazing... Um, team that creates proprietary software. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they're just getting more and more advanced with each show. It's astonishing that if you have a need, say one show uh, has just an immense amount of data and they're having trouble crunching it, they'll invent a software that does it in half the time and then you can use it on the next show. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah, <laughs> impressive and so hard to like wrap my head the, around. Right the now. unsung superheroes of filmmaking. <laughs> I don't know how they do that. Marvel's secretly Google or something. I don't really understand. They actually are superheroes. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I knew it this whole time. What do you use to break down the script? Is it something that you do by hand? Or? That is manual a lot of the time. Uh, you're using Excel. Nice. Classic. Yeah. 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 It takes a long time. Yeah. What did you find was the biggest challenge that you faced on this film? It can either be personal or within your team. Biggest challenge. Honestly, just to get sentimental on Ant-Man and the Wasp, the hardest thing was um, being the only Atlanta girl and having to close up shop after everybody left. (laughs) All my friends, you know, went back to do post in Los Angeles. So I loved them and I miss them. So that was the hardest part. (laughs) That's rough. I mean, that's a great thing. That's that was your hardest thing on the show. But wow. Yeah. (laughs) And what was the best part of working on this film? Uh, again, it was uh, the people I met. I really love that team a lot. Um, I've been fortunate to work with great teams in general. Uh, so I'm really hoping that continues. Good. Yay. Okay. And how long, so you were with this team for a while, obviously, to build those kind of relationships. How long were you on Ant-Man and the Wasp in total, do you think? Pre-production and production um, for my position was about eight months it's no surprise to anyone. Marvel is definitely a production company that's continuously working. Um, so when you're on a project like this, is it, do you know if there's another gig for them lined up 
before you finish? Or what's that sort of workflow like? Is it common to go from one movie to the next? I think it's different for each person each time. Uh, You definitely reach out to your network. So you'll hear in the grapevine about the upcoming films. And then you'll find out kind of who's in charge and reach out to them. And uh, keep your fingers crossed because everybody's doing that. But the best way is to hopefully get to go with someone onto the next film, like with one of your superiors. And you've worked with a few other production companies. You've mentioned Disney and stuff like that to me. What is it like working on big budget features for such large studio companies? Do you like Marvel? Do you prefer it? Would you like to do some more indie kind of low budget things or? Um, You know, I've only so far... For VFX, I've only worked with Marvel and Disney. So, you know, big, big studios. I would be open to trying it for an indie film. I imagine the process would be super different. You'd definitely be able to have, you'd have to be able to wear a lot of hats. (laughs) Uh, And you'd probably have to be more tech savvy than I am. But I would definitely be open to trying it if, if they felt that I was appropriate for the job, for sure. Cool. Um, What's next for you in the next couple months? What are you looking at doing? I'm working on my fourth book right now, and hopefully, knock on wood, the next project will be coming up soon. Hooray! Hooray! Well, enjoy your writing process. I'm sure that's a welcome reprieve, kind of a nice flow out of set life for a while. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending your time with us. We appreciate it. Thanks! It was so great talking with you. I really enjoyed talking with you guys, too. Without VFX, some of the movies that we know and love today would not be the same, especially something as involved like Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's people like Valerie who spend countless hours making that magic happen, and we're so grateful that she spent the time talking to us today. The New Deal was produced by us, Nikki Lee and Catherine Ostman. Special thanks to Meryl Warren, Brenda Mills, and Dean Braddock. Stay tuned for the dance party commencing in 3, three two, two, one. one.